Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I'm oh, pushing the record button. So, I guess, should I read you all that, or should we just pretend that people... No, you're fine. Okay. So, last year when we did this, our, our in-between all of our normal show show was the show called Dead of Summer, which was a special series that was on, like, Freeform in the middle of the summer about a summer camp where people get murdered for supernatural reasons. And we were talking about that, and you could see people walk in the doors and, like, listen to us for, like, five seconds and turn around and walk away because they were expecting zombies and we were talking about serial killers. Uh, so at least this time we get to talk about Santa Clarita Diet and how she eats people. And when they walk in, they're like, oh, at least it's zombies. So, you know, gosh. Did anyone watch Dead of Summer? Oh, do. Wow. It's so bad. It's so bad <laughs> oh, yeah, in the best if, way. But if you're of a certain age, say if you are familiar with the horror films of the 80s or you love the horror films of the 80s, it's basically all the horror films of the 80s involving a summer camp. Uh, yeah. It's really bad. Yeah. We were laughing a lot. But it's, it's, it's bad in a way that you just, it didn't get picked up. No, for another season. season, no. No, no, <laughs> it's that bad. But it's also bad enough where you're just like, yes, this is perfect. It's but it's a whole bunch of genre stars, and it was clearly made by people who love Elizabeth Mitchell films. from Lost was on it. She played the camp counselor, whose shirt was always unbuttoned to like right here. Because if you're going to cast Elizabeth Mitchell, I mean, really, you gotta, you gotta display the girls. So, okay. Um, how are you? <laughs> All right, so I would presume that you're here because you like zombie things, right? Okay. Walking Dead fans? Walking Dead haters? Fear the Walking Dead fans. Fear the, the Walking, walking Dead, Dead haters. haters. <laughs> oh, we hate it with a passion. Yeah. It's a terrible, terrible show. But Chris is dead. Oh, yes. Dan, so... Dan I'm having a moral quandary about our newest relationship oh, God. in the world. Dad, you have to kill or be killed to live in the world now, Dad. Dad? Dad? Ugh, My God. mom is dead and I'm angry about oh, it. Oh, God. So we tried. We really, really did. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, I've had a lot of time to work on it. I had, I had great hopes when he left the show and I thought he was going over to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm like, well, surely this young man, it's yes. just the writing. Oh, surely gosh. it's just the writing. Because Fear the Walking Dead, the, the scripts are apparently written by somebody who has heard of the original show has actually does not like the yeah. audience very much and <laughs> and he goes over to agents of shield and i'm like okay okay oh god no no it's him i'm sure he's a very nice young man yeah but i can't watch it maybe he should go to dental <laughs> dentistry school or something oh god yeah no. fear the walking dead a show a, a, the prequel show nobody asked for ever yeah did they not learn the lessons of the star wars prequels you don't need to know how it started is it well, necessary that you knew how it started? Did anybody sit there and go, you know, I needed to know why Rick's world is the way it is? Okay, a little well, curious, but did you need it? They never explained it. Yeah, they never explained where it came from, what happened. It was just like, hey guys, there's this one girl. She has, she's a zombie. Oh wait, the whole town's a zombie now. Yeah. yeah. Once upon a time, there were zombies. Don't ask why. It's well, not important. Our personal headcanon now is Santa Clarita Diet is the prequel to all of them. 
<laughs> um, because I like the idea of Drew Barrymore bringing about the apocalypse. Well, that is definitely, I mean, I grew up with Drew Barrymore. Not, not literally, but like figuratively. Do you think I would be sitting here if I grew up with Drew Barrymore? There's no <laughs> way. I would hitch my wagon to that star. But anyway, uh, she and I are around the same age, so like Firestarter and E.T. and like it was super inappropriate for me to watch Firestarter when I did. Oh, yeah. But I did. So I've been a fan. You know, I saw her flash David Letterman and understood what that meant as a cultural zigheist of the time. You don't even know who David Letterman is, do you, Negan? Oh, He's heard of him. <laughs> so, so we're our yes. Johnny Carson. Just point out something. I mean, yeah. Yeah. just like you pointed out in the Star, Star Wars, uh, how back then we didn't need to know how it all began. Mm -hmm. However, they still gave it to us. Uh, but but in today's you know today's world and today's society with all the social media, people are going to be asking these questions, and more and more people are going to be asking questions because of people asking. Right. But here's the here's the thing from a storytelling point of view that makes The Walking Dead unnecessary or fear the fear the Walking Dead unnecessary. Rick is our central character. He's our entry into The Walking Dead. The reason that Rick doesn't know why there are zombies, why zombies happened, is because he was in a coma the whole time. So it's kind of like when you're at a party and like you know you know this person, but it would be super awkward to ask their name, but everyone else knows them and knows you should know them, so you can't be like, hey, who's that guy? Because they're going to give you that look. They're going to be like, seriously, you don't know who that guy is? And they're not, then, you know, that's kind of how it is. We don't need to know in The Walking Dead because Rick doesn't necessarily know, and that's okay. True. And ultimately the, ultimately, the thing with The Walking Dead is that you don't need to know. The origin of the zombie apocalypse is not important. In fact, in any zombie story, really, it's not important how it starts. Right. Whatever, even if you get an explanation, that's not the critical bit. That, the, entire, the entire premise of the show or movie or novel does not hinge on what caused this. And honestly, Usually by that point, it's too late. Fear the Walking Dead doesn't do it either. Right. We just kind of see it start. We don't hear. We don't see. We don't see the you know the people with the rage monkey at the very beginning. We just you know uh, hey uh, that guy looks super pale. Why does he want to bite my face? And that's all we get from the Fear the Walking Dead anyway either. So so we had I had some hands. We saw some hands for love. Fear the Walking Dead. Who was that again? Well. Love or like, certainly like, like, like is accepted. Yeah. Okay, so what do you like? It? Yeah, what, what, what do you, what do you and, get? And it, it is a perfectly valid, I'm sure. It's... This is not an inquisition. We're not going to pull out any <laughs> toast groups, so you can just like give us a... Maybe later. Maybe. I want to tell a different story. Sure. Um, and I kind of like how it tells the story how it started. Well, I think the, the best part about it is that it does tell a different story. And I think that that, because for, if you're a fan of the comic book, and you're watching the TV show. There's a certain amount of spoilers built into the fact. I mean, we we were on for the first few seasons. We're going, okay, how are they going to tell this particular piece of the comic? Because they're clearly going to tell that particular piece of the comic. So right. how are they going to do it? Through the Walking Dead has the advantage of doing something different. I mean, they're they're obviously not doing, they're not telling that. They're not constrained by any of those. But that's kind of the problem with the yeah. show. They're not constrained, and yet they. You know. And yeah, the one of the things that we've noticed that is kind of odd in the two in the brother and sister relationship this these shows have 
in Fear the Walking Dead, or in Walking Dead, I do this all the time. So I'll be talking about the good one, and I'll say the bad one's name. It's just, you just have to follow my brain. So in, in Walking Dead, everyone is up for grabs. There's not a single character on that show who has a free pass to survive. And I think we were shown that really well with the way Negan treated Carl a lot of times during this last season, where he was just like, all right, I'm about to shoot this kid in the face, or, you know, threatening to cut parts off of Rick and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, yeah, uh, Soniqua Martin Green. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's going off to to better, but that's another great example of like, this has been a character, a, a character whose name was in the opening credits for more than a year or two, they just kill her off just because they could. So that is so you have a level of intimacy and fear with these characters that you don't necessarily get with Fear of the Walking Dead because you kind of have the idea that like the core family is nothing's gonna happen to those people. Like father, son, or stepfather in this case. Stepfather, wife. Mother, whose name? Oh, sorry, we need to pull yeah, that up. Uh, I can't remember anybody's name. Right uh, son and son and daughter, and that's that core. Yeah. Those four people are never going to die. No. The, the show will run as long as the show runs. Those four people will never die. Chris can die. Um, oh, Chris died good. I was yeah. so happy. There, we watch this show. We get together Sunday nights, and we have dinner, and we watch the show, and there was cheering happening in Dustin's living room, and Dustin's children sat there and went. Be quiet. We're trying to sleep. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was great. Uh, we were so happy to see him go. But there's—you're never going to see anybody. I mean, you're, those characters are always going to be intact. We there were moments in this last season of The Walking Dead where I sat there and went, "Does Andrew Lincoln's contract run out?" Because he could have killed Rick off. And interestingly, interestingly enough, at this point in The Walking Dead, you don't need Rick anymore. Mm-mm. The Walking there's... Dead has become an ensemble show to the level that you could—he could. Andrew Lincoln could go. You know what? I want to go back to making movies. Yeah. Making cute movies about being an adorable stalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, or, you know, you, I can go out, you know, a character can go off and do a Star Trek series. Or Car- mm-hmm. when, when, when the rumor was that Carl was going to go off to college, it's like, well, you know. Are they going to kill him? You know, What's going to happen to I mean, Carl? Nothing. But you, but at this point, you've reached the point that the comics you're hitting some of the same beats as the comic, but it's not a straight adaptation. And so you've, because you've had the investment in the characters, if you stuck with the show through the hate watching years, we used to do this review as a written review. Oh yeah. Um, and we hate watched starting with season two, season two and season three. We're full of so much rage in the reviews <laughs> at just the ability for a show to spin its wheels and to never go look for the lost little girl in the woods for an entire season. We'll talk about going to find the lost let's little girl put the, in the Let's put the map on the roof of the car and, and talk about where we're going to go. And then never leave. <laughs> oh, it's, it's bad. Which it taught bad. us early on, though, that The Walking Dead hates small girls. Mm-hmm. The yes. Walking Dead, if you are a small female human... On The Walking Dead, you are dying some point. This some season. way, really bad. It is just what's going to happen if you're if you are a there's a there's an upper limit of, of black male characters you can have on on The Walking Dead before they start killing you off. There is if you are a small 
adorable female Moppet, mm -hmm. you are doomed. Yeah. And I'm you starting, will die poorly. I'm starting <laughs> to get really worried for Judith because in the very last episode of the season, she like stood up on her own and like said a word and like walked out of her room and I was like, oh no, she's getting to that age where she's not a baby anymore. She's like a little girl now. And if they can find some way to break Carol's heart while they're doing it, they yeah. will, that will, is exactly what will happen when yeah. they're walking down. Right, right. And they, and, and Kirkman did say, he said on more than one occasion that he's not going to go there. Like he can't go there and he kind of regrets going there in the comic book, but that was such a good who, who here reads the comic as well? So we have this theory that because they, because, because Darabont and that guy right after him just messed the show up, I, I, for you, for you, I didn't say what I wanted I bleep, to say. If you've never listened to our uh, podcast before, I bleep Dustin a lot. Uh, <laughs> they, he, they messed that show up so bad when it came to the characters in the comic book. Like, TV Andrea, it was just like, that was another one. Oh, good. Oh, good, they killed her. Oh, gosh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I love Lori Holden. Like, in the mist, that is, that's a good movie. And so, so now they've kind of, they've kind of recongealed the show to where we have Rick, Rick is Rick, and Michonne is Andrea. And Carol is Michonne. And well, who else did we say was who? We had a whole list. Yeah, we had a whole thing. The, the 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 lineup of the show now, the current characters are roughly equivalent to where they are in the comic. And, mm -hmm. and the names, some of the names are different, but in terms of character beats and and the dynamics of the characters' personalities, they're very very similar. Yeah, which actually makes you kind of worry because at this point in the comic. Spoilers for something you probably saw was coming anyway. There's going to be a big fight, um, and people are going to get hit and stabbed and blown up and things. And if it follows the comic arc, the show's going to get messy. Really? Yeah. Messy. Well, you thought, all you out war. It's going to be. If you thought the uh, you know the bat to the head stuff was uncomfortable, uh, if it follows the comic piece, it's going to get. Well, I think they got a little bit of backlash on that, so I think the next series of deaths are just going to be licked to death by kittens. <laughs> like, oh no, the kitten! Negan, Negan had his kitten gun, and <laughs> oh no, no, my face is licking. No, but in the like last night, I was at Vintage Stop. Yeah, and uh, I bought I bought a Carol I bought a Carol action figure at Vintage Stop, and I forgot her. Oh dear. Dustin's collection of action figures. Yes, is... I collect action figures. It's it's a side thing, but um, I've been really fighting against collecting The Walking Dead because there are so many. But I really wanted a Carol, and like she's impossible to find because if you try and buy her in box, she's like forty five, fifty five dollars. But if you try and buy her loose, she's like twenty five. I'm walking around vintage stock last night, and I found her for a dollar ninety nine. Like. It was it was a very emotional moment for me. Dustin's not allowed to go into certain toy stores anymore because he takes the figures and he holds them close and he speaks to them and he yeah. rubs them on his face. Oh, uh, before it's not cool. Oh, oh, so anyway, so I picked up the most current issue of The Walking Dead. Who's read the most current issue of The Walking Dead? Okay, then I won't say it. something bad happens. Is that is that that's like the least spoilery thing. Wait, you are you say saying that something Dead? bad could be happening in a world full of zombies? Something super bad happens. Where every human being except for our core group of people is a monster. 
It's bad. It's a bad thing to happen. So who here would really like Rick and Company to run into a settlement where everyone is well adjusted and human? How about because okay. they've got to be some of them out there. Well, <laughs> how about a settlement where everybody's just like, "Hey, we're 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 cool guys. We we we're hanging out." That they don't steal all their crap from. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd like to see that. I want to see what is holding the like. What's the dirt underneath? Yeah. You don't want good people. <laughs> see, here's the thing that I hated about this. One of the most irritating things about this season was their interactions with Oceanside. Because, like, here is—it's a group of traumatized women and children who are who do not want to be involved in this fight, and instead of sitting down for justifiable reasons, for justifiable reasons, instead of sitting down and trying to negotiate with them and trying to make some sort of arrangement, Rick goes immediately into the Negan place and is like, "That's not your guns anymore. Those are our guns. And by the way, if you don't, we're just going to blow you guys up." Sorry about it. Okay, but wait, that's the problem. That's that's Negan's justification too. That's yeah. that's one of the problems with characters like Negan and when Rick turns into the I'm always right mode, you end up with you know Negan is the hero in his own mind, mm -hmm. and if you listen to Negan talk, if you pay attention to the words he's using, and sometimes especially to the tone he's using, when he gets quiet, when he gets really quiet. And he's telling you, you know, how important this is, right? And he's got that uh, sound in his voice. He's basically—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a seduction, right? It's, a sedu it's essentially a seduction scene. It's a creepy seduction scene. But he's trying to sell you on his worldview, and his worldview—if you look at it from a purely logical, this is—you know—we're in this nightmare world. I'm going to protect you. <laughs> yeah, Eugene bought it. It's very. Hmm? Exactly, yeah. and it's a it's a very seductive argument. Right. But the problem is, is like anything else, you know, the argument might be good and the goal might be good, but the means. Right. You know. The, the really the thing this show teaches the one of the main themes of this show is not that the ends justify the means, is that the means are what make you human. Because if you look at the way, I mean. Jeffrey Dean Morgan says it all the time. Like, if we had been, any interview he does about Negan, he says, if we had been following Negan, if the show had started with Negan, and like it's season seven, and all of a sudden these people show up at one of our, com our compounds and like kill a bunch of our guys while they're asleep, you're not looking at those guys at being the heroes, right? Our team is the heroes. You guys just came in and started messing with us for no reason. We didn't even know you guys were there, and you started killing us. And if you'd done seven seasons of the Negan show, you'd watch the slippery slope, where he's where that where his role basically starts off as this character. By the time he gets to season seven, he's this you know character who's willing to kill all these people and to basically rule as a tyrant. But you'd watch the arc. Mm -hmm. If you were if you were if you're a good writer, you would. Those seven seasons right there, so we're supporting. Right, exactly. He's like when Rick uh, bit the guy's throat out, that was like pure, like just animal mode. And yeah. Like, yeah, because he's a rapist. Like that's all. Right. Life. Exactly. All that Negan's stuff. Not, Negan hates it. He, he, Negan hates. Right. Okay. But but your default, your default level of human behavior should not be hates rape. You yeah. should aim higher than that. Yeah. And if you'll remember <laughs> that particular episode. 
look at the looks on the faces of the people that aren't getting their throats ripped out, including Daryl and Michonne and Carl, as they watch this happen. They're not they're not particularly enthused with this situation. Think, you know, look at and think about it this way. Does Oceanside think of Rick as a hero, even though Rick came in and said, I want your gun so that I can go and fight a greater evil? No. They look at Rick as the dude who came in and stole all their shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wizard uh, Phasma. Um, well, you know, okay. Yeah. As long as you're okay with it. And what's interesting about the show and what makes it work, the reason that we end up still supporting Rick is because at this point, for all the fact that he is clearly bipolar <laughs> and needs serious mood-altering meds because he goes from being all of humanity is happy and wonderful and we need to take care of you to everyone must die and without enough middle ground. Most people operate in the middle um, and he just bounces back and forth. Oh, oh can I share my fun fan theory? Or my, my theory? Sure. My, my theory? Okay, so here's my theory about the world of, of the, the walking deads. So we're all infected, correct? When we die, no matter how we die, we're going to become zombies, correct? The, the virus lives inside of our brains, right? So my theory is that the longer you live with the right. virus inside of your brain, the more that that virus uh, activates the mental instabilities that you already would have had present. So think of, a, don't, I don't remember her name, Sophia too. what was her name? Puppy? Puppy. No, no that was Puppy the was one. the other one. Uh, the too. two little girls with Carol. Yeah. Like, like, there were there all sorts of... and, and we, Demon Girl? We called them, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we called we called them uh, Sophia too. We called the crazy one who ended up. We called her Sophia too, because that's who Carol was like. You're my new daughter, and then we called the other one Puppy, because I can't remember names, and it's easier for me to do it that way. Uh, but she I was called, clearly. I mean, she was do you just. Soon as you saw her, you're, you're like, like, oh, oh you're, you're doomed. You're so cute, but you're gonna die, and it's gonna be bad. Um, it. Just as a side wing note to that, for a long time I called Beth Green daughter fodder because, you know, there was absolutely no way that, that she was going to become a character that when she died I was like, what? No! But it did. So anyway, um, so, like, that kid, Mika, like, obviously had some mental problems. They, she talks about how they used to have medication and she used to do all these breathing and exercise, these, these calming techniques before all the, the world went to hell. And because she's all infected, because she's got the zombie crazy, it took that and it just amped it up to 11 to make her believe zombies were living people and it was okay to stab your sister in the chest because she's coming back and everything's going to be great. And that's the same way with Rick. Maybe Rick wasn't necessarily bipolar before, but now that he's lived for all these years with the zombie crazy in his brain, he is bipolar. And it does have the benefit of explaining why every, every other person they meet is exactly what would not be found in a real apocalypse. Like Gregory is just like the worst human being ever. He's, Gregory is paranoid to a fault. Yeah. Ezekiel has taken on the character. Like, now, so, the, some, of, some of these people are very functional because functional crazy is a thing. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, wait, well, no. Oh, okay, my okay. God, no. The garbage people, we do not even understand what's happening here. What? The guy that walks around pushing a car. As he's mumbling. Yeah, but he's got a large... No, Ezekiel would have just been a really, really good actor in his local community theater troupe, which is what he says he was before. He's also a 
Yeah. So it's it's an interesting theory because it does help to explain why in the real world when you have major crises like like New Orleans or New York and the blizzards and things like that, um, you know, real studies by real scientists have been done to show this. That basically what happens is when the worst things happen, the best in humanity comes out to play. We don't degenerate into savages. We don't degenerate into tribal behaviors that turn on each other. We actually sit there and go out and help strangers. We actually go out and um, do disturbingly uh, altruistic behavior for people that we have no reason to help. Lord of the Flies is definitely wrong, unless you happen to be a, a, a really, really overpriced concert on a small island, in which case, yes, Lord of the Flies is, is definitely wrong. Right. But, but the, when, the large, when, when things happen in larger society, I mean, think, think about, we'll use Hurricane Katrina as, as an example. There are, there are stories of looting and there are stories of people taking advantage to, you know, to kill people and people in authority doing terrible things to people. but. On the whole, you hear more stories about the guy who took his canoe out of his out of his garage and walked up and down his flooded street through sewage and all that stuff to help rescue people from their homes for three days straight. We hear stories about buses being sent from, you know, all over the country to help evacuate people. It's not when real life hits, when real catastrophes hit, our our primitive brain does not say, I'm going to kill you for what I need. Our primitive brain says, you are just as important as as me, and we need to, the only way we're going to get through this is together. Because what you've got and what I've got together, and your skills and my skills together, means I'm more likely to live. Which and, means I should help you. Mm -hmm. And, and that's and that's real life science, but this show doesn't follow that because everybody on that show crazy. Well, but then, you know, so the apocalyptic storylines always do this because it's much more dramatic if it all falls apart and you have the one person or the one or the band of people, whether it's Mad Max or Fear of the Walking Dead or whatever it is, it's much more dramatic to have that you know lone group of people or or small tribe or whatever that goes out and is fighting against the you know, yeah cool. But at the same time, we're in season seven. <laughs> It's like you just want to reach out and go, please find some place where the people are actually nice. Nice and useful. Um, you know, it, it's one thing when you go to a town that's got walls. Mm -hmm. yeah. and everyone's super, super nice, but they've somehow managed to last this long after the, the zombie apocalypse and be completely useless. Alexandria. Um, He's talking about Alexandria. Yeah. No. no. Well, no, the people in Woodbury were... were I, we don't really get to know the people in Woodbury. Everything, and then it was just like there were ten guys who guarded the wall, and they're like, "All right, let's go to war." And they went. Yeah. Well, the problem with something like Alexandria is that it's one thing to maintain this beautiful little suburbia, but the idea that they would be able to do all that in a world that's got the saviors and any other people that that Rick and company have fought. Because you guys realize this all takes place in the same like ten miles, right? Since the beginning of the show, because no, we have no, no they're idea in, where they're. They're in Virginia now. <laughs> Yeah, they're no. in Virginia now. But still, The Walking Dead does not know how to deal with time or distance. They yes. have no concept. Do not look at a map of, the, of where the people in The Walking Dead are going or where they're from because it does not make sense. Um, it, it, oh, it was, it was God, way worse insane. when they were in Atlanta, oh, when I, they were around Atlanta because it would be like, how do the people in Woodbury not know that there is a prison within walking distance of their own town? 
Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Do not st- do not stare directly at the Walking Dead's idea of time or distance. You will go crazy. Right. But we talk about this all the time with the way Carl has aged and the way that Judith has aged. Because I mean, if you look, you have to use Judith as a realistic timeline of the show because she was conceived very close to the beginning of the apocalypse. So we've got eight months of gestation, and now Judith is what two ish. So you're looking three years out from the zombie apocalypse. All this show is taking place in the course of about three years. And and Carl went from playing Calvin and Hobbes in the woods to like flirting with a legit teenage girl. So like yeah, he's like a breath away from going to college in the real world, let alone is you know with the way the character is looking. They gave me some water, but you weren't here on time. I understand. That's fine. That's how it works. It's all right. I'll just sit here and. Um, but so does anybody have anything specific they want to to talk about among friends does anybody have any grievances about these shows that you feel like or things that you're like oh, this makes me crazy I can see it I can see it in your eyes I'm looking right at you nobody's found any any little village where people have harnessed uh, solar energy just yet for years well, Deacon hasn't found a way to come and take it uh, when is that going to happen? <laughs> the problem I got with Negan is, is I'm not saying he's a bad character. In fact, I love the fact how they built it up through season six, all the way through season seven. That's so cool. That's great. But in the draft novel, it was there for two issues. That was it. Two issues. And it still got the point across. Mm-hmm. Like it was still like you can have just like a bunch of build up or you can just have, hi, everybody. This guy's dead. Bye. And then you walk and then he drives away. And, like, well, yeah, okay. You have to remember that that media are different. For a comic book, you can do that. A comic book can spend an entire year on one event, you know, because they come out monthly and they're 25 pages each. So you can do that. You can be like, here's this character. Who is he? Ain't nobody know. Is he bad? Is he good? Well, he just bashed somebody's brains. He's probably not the greatest guy. And then just like have that character disappear for a little while because there's other stuff going on. TV has a different set of values. And probably one of the things that, uh, that has made Negan such a prominent character on the show uh, probably not the only thing is that they cast, they had to cast somebody. They had to cast an actor. And you can't say to an actor, oh, you're going to be super important in like two years. But we want you to come in and do this thing and then disappear and you're going to be gone for like two more years. And I, Jeffrey Dean Morton wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't have been like, oh, okay, I'll come in and I'll, I'll be on two episodes of the show and then vanish. No, he's got he's got house payments to make, you know. He's probably got a cat. He's got a feed. I have no idea. So, no, I know his so the way that the way that Negan was cast on the show as as a as a name in the opening credits character, like almost immediately, had more probably to do with casting someone, an actor who would want who would they would want to play that character, than, and again, you know, they can do things in the comic book that you definitely couldn't do, like blowing a baby up. They blew a baby up in the comic yeah, book. Judith is long dead in the comic. Yeah, she, she got shot in the fight. Right. Yeah, well, that's, how, that's how she and her mother died. Yeah, and Rick doesn't have a hand anymore. 
And I mean, there's all sorts of things you, you know, they are not going to CGI Andrew Lincoln's hand every week. Right. You know, they're just, they're, yeah, well, but, but you can do that in the comic. And then you, but some of the other characters end up being significantly changed. We talked about people like Carol and Andrea, and, but you look at somebody like the governor, okay, the other, one of the other big bads of the show. If you remember him from the comic, he was, he was slimy evil yeah, in the comic. Yeah, like, he was, but he, was, he also had that. In just, a way, in the comic book, and like, so this was actually a good change for the show, he was evil in the comic book in a way that like, how did he get all of these people to listen to Who would follow him? this person, exactly. It's like following Wormtongue from Lord of the Rings. Why would you do that? You know, um, but you know, so but in the com or in the show, number one, casting, they had to cast a character that was going to appear in a significant number of episodes, or no actor was going to want to do it. And number two, they had to cast somebody Lori would want to have sex with. Apparently, Lori had the worst ch taste in men. Like seriously, like if that little doctor dude that the the governor hadn't killed to kill her wasn't obviously gay, like. She would have probably gone after that, like even if he was, like you know, she had the worst taste in men. She hooked up with every skeezy guy that showed up, like on that show. But part of what ends up happening when you cast somebody, he's going to actually follow the thread. I am going to follow the thread. When you, when you, Dustin and I actually reached the point where where the governor went off to live his life as Brian. Remember his little side trip? We were like, are we going to get a redemption? Is the governor going to be redeemed? Do we want to? We do want to see that. Yes. Wait Stay good, Brian. Minute. Stay good. And there's no reason for us to want that except for the fact they cast a very charismatic actor who made it believable. And when and when he finally did end up going back to his old ways, it crushed you because you were like, you had it. You had it in your hands. And they would have, but if they kept to the arc of the comic book, you would never have gotten that because that does not exist in the comic. And but you had an opportunity to do something different with the show, so you're able to play with that stuff in ways you couldn't play with the comic. So luckily, there the two versions are very, very different. Um, although it does hurt you when you when you're trying to, to bounce as close as you are to the comic as the show is. When it comes to the point where Negan shows up, and you know there's a bunch of people lined up in front of him. Did anybody really, really doubt who was going to die? If you've, Be if, you've, if you've read the comic, did you ever, did you really think that somebody other than Glenn okay. was going to die? Well, let's, let's repose this. Well, after they killed uh, Abraham, I was like, oh, thank God, like he's not going to die. And then they pulled that trick, and then Daryl. They're kind of bastards in the writer's room. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, so with the cliffhanger between the, the two seasons, who was legitimately worried about who was going to die? Who did not know and was like... I thought they were just not going to kill Glenn off. Like, they were... He was... They liked the fan. The fan had too many fans or something. I thought they weren't going to go through with it. But then the, I was happy that they did because, you know, it kept with the the weekly thing where you don't know who's going to die. They're not mm -hmm. afraid to kill anyone. So I thought it was good that they were not afraid to do it. He, he was the second character that we met. So it's like, it was in the comics. So I was above worried like I was freaking out like you can't kill him you just can't and then when it happened it was I just I did you have thoughts about it what were you thinking my thought was that personally I didn't think they'd really kill off Glenn mostly because there was multiple times during the show where he almost died where they made it seem like he died at the end of an episode mm -hmm. when in fact he really didn't personally I thought they were going to go and kill Maggie off oh. uh, 
I'll be honest with you, I thought things were going too well for Abraham, things were going too well for Glenn. I knew they, they were brothers. Yeah. You know, I mean, not just because of what goes on with the graphic novels, but it was getting too good for them. Right. Yes, happiness cannot be allowed to survive on The Walking Dead. It is, it is a scourge and must be destroyed. Mm -hmm. no, no one can have any much, happiness or joy. <laughs> as much as everybody hated the fact that they had done this as a cliffhanger, it kept us all talking for almost a full year. Which is exactly, I don't care how, much, how many apologies anybody issued, or you know right, we shouldn't have done that, that's exactly what they intended to do. Um, but the killing Glenn and killing any characters, and that's, again, we come back to this, the difference between the two shows, is that they've basically said, we will kill anybody. Mm -hmm. the, the gloves are off. Yes, you, you've been with Glenn since the second episode of the show. Really, well, they're really getting to know him in the second episode. Right. Um, Meanwhile, over on Fear the Walking Dead, Alexis, the daughter, has had her beautiful, long, brown hair float past the face of a walker more than one time where it's oh like, God. that thing would have grabbed the back of her head and bit off her nose. And it's just, because you, you're like, the, it's just so bad. It's such a bad show. Such a bad show, Tim. Mm. Uh, if you, you can go find our podcasts and you can listen to just sort of the, the why are we doing this to ourselves <laughs> um, state of the reviews. Um, there's a lot of, you know, the sound of heads beating on tables and, and possibly, possibly some weeping. So, yes. Yeah. Now, uh, I will be honest with you, what really did give me is the fact that they killed off two, not just one main character, but two main characters in the same Well, but there's stakes. You have to have stakes. You have to have stakes with these characters. What I'm right. thinking, though, is that they did a lot like what they did on Battlestar Galactica, is they have a big, you know, board up with all the names and everybody, and they can the dart and just throw it and say, okay, they're doing that. Well, but actually, at this, at this point in the comic, Abraham was already dead. Right. So he, I thought it was calculated. Like, I thought that they were like, of course. after I watched it, I thought it was like, these two characters had to have died, otherwise the whole thing would have been off, because Abraham would have been too good at military strategizing, and Glenn would have been too much hope. You can't have too much hope. It's right. Again, it's The Walking Dead. Hope is a terrible thing. Right. We must destroy it. <laughs> Fight it. Kill it with fire. Kill it with fire and a Do baseball bat. Happiness and joy will not be allowed. So, who wants to spend the next uh, few minutes uh, really just getting a, a really good hate on Fear the Walking Dead. Ah, <laughs> oh, my people. You're the 30 people that listen to our podcast, aren't you? <laughs> Seriously, sci-fi4me.com. We have a big media booth yeah. in, in the main hall auditorium. We're right next to the walking zombie nachos, which are just Frito pies. Don't let anybody fool you. It's a Frito pie. Uh, right next to, uh, let's see, Ecto One, and the oh, right, yes. Z is in front of there. us. Uh, we're doing, we're live, we're live streaming the entire, we're live streaming the con this right. week. So, so stop, stop by and doing a lot of interviews. It's going up on the YouTube channel. Though, so, so, who has who has thoughts about Fear the Walking Dead they want to share? Yes. I just when you see the characters, you just don't <laughs> care. Like they had um, the mom character, and she was at the school, and then they tried to have. Uh, this moment where she was like, you can't bring a knife to school, Johnny, that's not okay. Like, if they had a metal detector go off. Right. Like that, it was at the beginning. And like, I just, I couldn't feel. Like, I, she just, I don't know. I couldn't get She's been together. desensitized by The Walking Dead. Because happiness and joy is not allowed. You can't have any feelings anymore. Right. We actually wanted to know what happened to the kid. Yeah. The fear of the walking, the kid who basically was like, 
plugged in, who knew that some stuff was yeah, coming. It was like, like, we've got about maybe two weeks before it stops really just starts falling off the edge here. Like, who's, who is this genius child, and why are we not following him? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Everybody's got a bunker. Bunkers for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think, is the main problem. I think they... They they wanted to create a family drama in the zombie apocalypse world, and it just kind of it, it they the things that these characters think is important to discuss, oh while there are flesh eating corpses on the other side of the door, are just like the crazy. How long did did Madison and what's his name not Chris the dad. Stepdad? Yeah, whatever. Whatever his name is. Travis. Travis. Thank you. How long did they talk about how crazy Chris was before anybody did anything about it? When you wake up and there is a person standing over your bed, at no time is this a good thing. Ever. Unless they're a doctor and you're in the hospital and they're going, oh good, you're awake. That's the only time waking up and having somebody looming over your bed holding a sharp object is a good thing. It depends on how they say it. If they're looking at it going, oh, good, you're awake. And they're getting you know, the, the head tilt. That's a different show. Eyes. That's yeah. a different show. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the way that they kind of re they wrote Chris's fall into crazy town was just, it was, it was not good. It was not good. I think one of the, the biggest issues with the show is that it failed to understand that, that Again, the origin of the origin of the zombie apocalypse is n is not the important part. It's how you deal with it. It's what you do after the fact. And if you're going to dive in, if you want to if you want to build a show about a family and have it be about a family dynamic, you kind of have two choices. You either drop them in the middle of the story, and you tell that story over time, but you tell it basically from they all know each other. The dynamic is already in place, and so you, as the viewer, you are discovering that as the story goes along, right? So it's a very you know it, a lot fairly similar to what they did with the beginning of, of The Walking Dead. You kind of were just dropped in the middle. Or, you know, uh, a, a lot of the zombie movies, whatever. Right. Know. Lost. We were talking about Lost earlier yeah. before you got... You before you got here, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were talking about Lost, and, like, that starts with the plane crash, and then you now you've got all these people, like, standing around, and now you have to figure out who is who and mm -hmm. what what the deal is and and that's why that's why shows like lost were successful because you're going oh i want to know what's the deal with this crazy brunette if, lady if you have two characters who hate how other, did she get did all those yeah. tank tops she kate had more tank tops on lost like seriously like that there was a gap on that island and she knew where it was <laughs> and it's the same gap that rosita goes and gets all her skinny jeans at we because... yeah we got we Cars, cars, gasoline, and clothes on The Walking Dead, none of that makes any sense whatsoever. All that gas is expired, kids. That gas expired two years ago on this show. Gas has an expiration date. Um, anyway, we will not get into my rant. But <laughs> I love the memes. There's, so, there's like, they're like, forget about the zombie apocalypse. How would all this, these lawns get mowed? Like, you know. 2010, like, on the car. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, every time. How, how are, are, are I am just ecstatic every time we see a bicycle on the show. 
Because Seriously. The, the easiest, least expensive transportation mode for distance traveling that are everywhere. And we've seen bikes on the show like we were so excited in the last episode when all these bikes showed up at Alexandria. Like, somebody's riding bikes. And then it turned out to be the crazy garbage people. And we are like, why are the crazy garbage? Why isn't it? Why? Okay, does anybody? Bikes! We have to ask. Does anybody, does the crazy garbage people make any sense to anyone? What? Tell us. Oh, Give us an please. insight. Like, in the, they had the giant wide shot of the garbage place. There was no livestock. There's he doesn't no, have an answer. No, you're not the rude one. You're supposed to answer. We want to know. Because... Because How did they devolve? How did they devolve from speaking like normal human people who use adjectives to being the like, we're going to go to the uppy up. Okay, that, that only works if, if that theory is right, but it still doesn't explain how they all congregated together. All I can think is like, it's a... It's a um, performance art troupe that's gone terribly, terribly around. They were already living in the garbage dump, and somebody came in and was like, you know there are zombies out there, right? And they were like, oh, well now our intentional way of life really has suits a purpose. Or there's a, or there's a mental institution that the, the, the locks got open and all the crazy people got out because they are just, I mean, it's like, who talks like that? And that, again, that's not how things work. Yes. Well, yeah, but that's our theory. That's our, that's <laughs> our theory. That's not. That's he not, says. He says. Our, he says our because it showed up on. But I that's thought right. of it, and I was here on time. Fine. And I got water first. <laughs> no, that conversation. Right My kid is grown. He still has young ones. He's looking, looking at the sun, and Rick's right here. He's like, is he yours? Yeah, like, yeah, I guess. I'll take it faster. <laughs> the barge is like... We laughed so hard yeah, at that, that was moment. A, that was that so was damn funny. <laughs> the look on the look on Michonne's face when she's like, I lay with him after. She's like, no, you don't. <laughs> oh, and here's, here's something else that really irritated me about that episode. So the garbage people, like, turn on our guys, right? And, like... Michonne is up in the in the tower, the sniper tower, with that one lady. Uh, there is no way that lady beat on Michonne the way she did. No way. Like as soon as Michonne turned around, it's like, oh, oh, you're 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 double crossing us. Michonne just would have been like, bye, see you later. Like there's. There's two different versions of that, and it's to where either the the bad girl just knows that Michonne is going to see her, and then just immediately shoots her. Because she's about to go full ham, or she goes, uh, Michelle goes samurai on her and just throws her out the building. Like, right. there's no way she could have gotten beat in that. There, where she was beat up that bad, where Rick had to go and like pull, pick, carry her out of that building. Well, yeah. unfortunately, that's, that 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 girl had comparative skills to. Well, but the, the the problem the problem follows directly off that whole scene, which is if you had a less innocent looking group of people, or more accurately, if they could look any more guilty about getting ready to betray someone. They should have been, I mean, if they had right. been walking around with signs going, we're about to betray the, you, it would have been more bad guys. subtle. Like, that was the tattoo that, on that like, lady's face, was underneath underneath her bangs, underneath her super short bangs, is a tattoo that says, we're the secret bad guys. Like, it's, it's like, they were so, um, Dustin's over there going, no, there's no way, because this is too obvious. And I'm like, Right. We're going to go steal a bunch of stuff from Oceanside, who the people we should be partnering with, and we're going to trust fully these crazy people who live in the garbage dump. 
<laughs> We've sold them on the crazy oh, theory. Oh, we did. Crazy we theory. did it. Crazy yeah, theory I, I, I expect a meme from every one of you. And you have to, <laughs> I expect it with the photographs, like the photographs of like Picard going like this. Yes, from every one of you. <laughs> okay, so, so in a world where the dead are living, oh. and, and you've got the people that are actually alive, they do the opposite of what you're supposed to do. So it's the, it's the reverse uh, sure. backwards virus. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That works for me. <laughs> All right, there. The fine young cannibals? Oh, I love the fine young cannibals. You know something? Like in the comics, it was. I, I love the comics, but they did it so good in the show. Mm -hmm. I loved it in the show. They had like somehow there's that whole society, and they just wiped them out in like the course of twenty minutes. Dustin, yeah. the excitement when Dustin found the is it Jared? Gareth. The Gareth. The Gareth. I have a Gareth. Figure. I have a Beth. I have a Gareth, and I have a Carol now. Oh God. Yeah. He's like, I found the figure, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We called them the fine young cannibals because could you have picked a more attractive? They were group? all beautiful. Like. Every single, like, like eating human you flesh makes you good. super hot. Like, <laughs> like they were all looked really good. Tasha Yar looked really good in that fright wig she was wearing, and like, you know, like it was an attractive bunch of terminus cannibals there. So you know, if you if you need some perk up with your skin, you know, maybe bite off a toe, see if that helps. Maybe. It actually works on Santa Clarita diet too. She hasn't eaten the toe though. Oh right, she didn't eat the toe. If you're not watching, if you haven't, guys, seriously, if you haven't watched Santa Clarita Diet, it's a it is a very funny zombie show. It is very well done. Um, Drew Barrymore is a is a riot. Timothy Oliphant, if you're familiar with his more serious roles where he plays, you know, you know the hero or he has a lot of bad guy roles, he's so damn funny in the show. He is, he is the everyman character who just cannot deal with the fact that his entire life is falling apart because his wife eats people because she's dead. Right, which <laughs> this is actually probably going to go up before our Santa Clarita diet thing goes up. But yeah. that's what we're covering right now because Preacher doesn't come back until next June. week. June. So that is all the time we have. Actually, it is 12.53 and there's another panel coming of in. Of course. Uh, like I said, sci-fi-for-me.com, it's a for, not F-O-R, it's for me. Uh, we also have our big media booth up on the show floor. Stop by and say hello. Uh, we, we love you all. You can find us on iTunes, podcast.com, all the usual places. Just type in Zompocalypse Definitely. now. Definitely. Do that. And, uh, we, we are moderately entertaining and, well, okay, we're, we try. We try. We, 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 we make mixed results. But. I'm better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for coming. This has been a presentation of HorrorForMe.com. Copyright 2017 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Horror For Me Radio. <laughs>